good to, to see you guys and, and be here. My name is Drew. Uh, I am a minister at the Federal Way Church of Christ in Federal Way, Washington, just south of Seattle. Um, and I'm also a, a spiritual director um, and uh, have, have entered into that kind of work here in the last couple of years. Uh, and so that's kind of what, what the um, conversation is today. What is spiritual direction? Uh, and, and so I'm excited to share a little bit and, and hopefully just kind of talk a little bit during our time today. As we begin, at the risk of, I mean, it's eight in the morning, uh, it's early, at the risk of just everyone falling asleep, I want to take a moment to just sort of pause, center, and, and set our hearts on God together. This uh, is a practice that um, I have, have used before in beginning a spiritual direction session uh, with people, and so it could be a good way to begin our time together today. And so just take a moment where you are, um, settle in whatever is a just comfortable, restful position for you. And I just want to begin with a moment of setting our hearts on God with this, uh, a meditation on words from Psalm 46. Uh, You're probably very familiar with them. Be still and know that I am God. And so Just be still. I'm going to leave some moments of silence, and I'm just going to repeat this a few times uh, and invite us to enter more deeply into an awareness that God is here and with us. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be still and know that I am God.
Thank you guys for entering into that together. As, as we begin, before I start just saying stuff up here, I'm, I'm just curious to hear. I mean, so it's 8 o'clock a.m. Uh, the first day, I'm sure many of you traveled yesterday and are probably just beginning this thing already exhausted. Uh, there's like 15 other things you could be at. What is spiritual direction? What brings you here to this place today? I'd, I'd be interested to hear um, what, what draws you to this time. Uh, for me, I think it's um, just being a minister can be easy to get caught up in the work of the church and programs and meetings and um, spiritual direction. I mean, at the core is really what it's all about for mm -hmm. us and uh, having, um, having more conversations about that is helpful. Yeah. I love that. I like the word direction. Mm. I feel like uh, the church that I'm a part of uh, has kind of always done what we've always done and done the same motion, done it the same way. Mm. And uh, I thought I'd look for some insight on some direction to what yeah. we do. Yeah, love that. Yeah. I love to learn and grow minister and have students yearly and teach a spiritual formation course, uh, but I'm on that same journey, mm. and I want to be encouraged, reminded, inspired, uh, reprimanded, be, so, um, yeah. thanks. So I imagine many of you have probably heard of spiritual direction to some extent. I mean, you know, you, you've, you've wandered into this space. Uh, so yeah, what, what is this thing, spiritual direction? One, one more thing that would be helpful for me to hear about is just to hear a little bit about who, who all is in the room. How many of you are, are ministers at churches? We've got a few people. Um, any elders, perhaps? All right, no elders. L little less pressure, maybe. Um, uh, Church staff, volunteers, yeah, I see some nods, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, people involved in churches, right? So, um, so that's helpful for me to get a, a little bit of a, a grid of who's, who's in the room. Um, so what is spiritual direction? First uh, Samuel chapter 3. Eli is uh, this, this older priest who's there, and, and Samuel has been growing up in uh, his, in, in the, there's not a temple yet, but, but there with him, uh, was brought there. Uh, and Samuel's ministering to the Lord before Eli, under Eli in those days. And one night, uh, Samuel is going to sleep, and as he's lying down to sleep, he hears a voice. Samuel, Samuel. And so he gets up and he runs to Eli and he says, you called? You know, what, what, what is that? Uh, and Eli said, I didn't say anything. Um, go, go to bed, right? And so Samuel goes back and, and goes to bed. But then a second time he hears, Samuel, 
Samuel. So he gets up, goes, goes back to Eli. Here, here I am, right? What, what do you need? I didn't say anything. Go to bed. All right, so he goes and lays down again. And then a third time, Samuel, Samuel. He gets up, goes to Eli. I'm here. What is it? And this time Eli says, oh, it's the Lord. And so he tells Samuel, go and lie down. And if you hear this again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel went and laid down once more, and he heard, Samuel, Samuel. And so he said, speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. I think this story is a great example of spiritual direction. A great example of spiritual direction. Here's my really basic definition. Spiritual direction is one person helping another become aware of and responsive to the activity of God. Spiritual direction is one person helping another become aware of and responsive to the activity of God. Isn't that what Eli did for Samuel? Right? Samuel heard something going on, uh, and, and after a little bit of listening and, and repetition, there was, oh, this is the activity of God. Respond to it. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. One person helping another become more aware of and responsive to the activity of God. And in many ways, this is the essence of, of our faith. This is the essence of our spiritual life, right? The prophets proclaimed the activity of God and called Israel to respond to it. Uh, the apostles preached the resurrection of the Son of God and called people to respond to that. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God and called people to repent, right? On and on, having a living and vibrant faith means being aware of and responsive to the activity of God. But what sets prophecy or preaching apart from spiritual direction is that spiritual direction is personal specific and it usually deals with the ordinary stuff of life yeah. it, it usually deals with it, it emerges from the, the the material of the every day kind of like Samuel trying to go to sleep right that's just an everyday thing I'm just trying to get to bed but I keep hearing something well maybe that's the activity of God how can we pay attention to that Right? That's what spiritual direction is all about. The, the pastor, scholar, author Eugene Peterson wrote that spiritual direction means taking seriously with a disciplined attention and imagination what others take casually. He said that it is bringing the same care and skill and intensity to the ordinary, boring, uneventful parts of our lives that we readily give to the eventful conversions and proclamations, 
right? Uh, the, the kind of work that goes into preparing a lesson or a sermon or something, what if we brought that same kind of attention and work to, to everyday moments and, and listen to those as the activity of God? Where is God leading us? What is, what is God doing here? Right. Spiritual direction is one person helping another become increasingly aware of and responsive to the activity of God in their everyday life. It's, it's commonplace stuff. And, and this can happen in all kinds of ways, right? In fact, probably most of the time, spiritual direction happens casually, unplanned, off-the-cuff, spur-of-the-moment kind of things. I'm sure that many of you could recall some conversation that you had with someone where you walked away with a little bit more clarity about what God might be up to in your life. Maybe it was just a passing comment, right? The person talking with you didn't even know that they were being a spiritual director. Um, but, but they said something that, that moved you to more awareness of God. I'm sure many of you have had a moment, an interaction like that. Uh, many times this is actually what spiritual direction looks like. It, it, again, Eugene Peterson says um, what he calls spiritual direction is often what other people would describe when they're doing nothing at all, nothing of particular importance, right? For those of you in ministry, right, you spend time uh, organizing events, planning sermons, uh, whatever it may be, writing out lesson plans, coordinating volunteers. But every now and then you run into someone. And it sort of interrupts all that work that you're doing, but you get to have a little conversation. Those are opportunities for spiritual direction. But it often feels like an interruption. But that's the real stuff. And so often spiritual direction can happen unplanned, casual ways. However, it can also happen in a formal way. Whenever a person intentionally sits down and meets with someone who is called a spiritual director, someone who's trained in listening, reflecting, and, and, and guiding that person to an awareness of what God might be up to. And so meeting with a spiritual director where, you, where a person shares the stuff, the ordinary stuff of their life, brings their questions, their stories, their experiences. And with this other person, the spiritual director can consider what is God up to in the midst of all of this? And that really is the question at the heart of spiritual direction. What is God up to in the midst of all of this? I, I love, Kyle, what you said a moment ago. I mean, I think that's the essential question of ministry, right? I think the, the goal of all ministry is to get to the point where we can finally say, so what is God doing in all of this, right? I love spiritual direction because it just cuts right to the chase, right? That, that we're, we're here for that conversation. What's God up to? I think that's the heart of, of spiritual direction. Another way I like to describe spiritual direction is listening for God in the midst of life. Listening for God in the midst of life. 
So it can be this formal space where, where you, you meet with someone and, and do this intentionally. So where did that come from, right? Uh, we've kind of talked about what it is. Where, where did it come from? Uh, well, I've already shared a few biblical examples. You've got the prophets, the priests, you have Jesus, uh, you have the apostles. And, and, you know, each of them has these big proclamation moments. But you can also look to a number of stories like Eli with Samuel, uh, where there are these one-on-one prayerful encounters. I was thinking a lot about the Gospel of John. John loves telling stories like this. Jesus sits down with Nicodemus. Jesus sits down with the woman at the well. Jesus interacts right outside of, uh, at the side of Lazarus' grave. He has conversations with Martha and with Mary. At the resurrection, he has this one-on-one encounter with Mary Magdalene, right? Each of these is maybe a little glimmer of Jesus being a spiritual director, having these one-on-one conversations, guiding people to a deeper awareness of, of what God is doing in the midst of everything. But as you move through church history, beyond the, the New Testament and the early church, um, where, where does this sort of spiritual direction thing come from? Well, much of it dates back to the third century desert mothers and fathers. Uh, this was right around the time that, uh, you know, Christianity finally became legal. It kind of became the, the official religion of the Roman Empire. And around then, there were a number of people who started to really feel like it, it's losing its edge, right? It's just sort of capitulating to the cultural norm. Uh, there's more to this faith than just what is public and, and going on in my church now that it's normal and legal, now that it's kind of fitting in with the world. There's more to this. And so there are a number of people who began to leave the church and head out into the wilderness in search of deeper and truer faith. This is a whole other talk, but I wonder if that's a little bit of something we might be seeing today. Uh, If some of the people wandering away from church might not be rejecting faith, but actually searching for deeper faith. That's another conversation. Uh, But this happened in the third century. There were folks who were heading out into the wilderness in search of deeper faith, deeper spirituality. They headed out to the desert, uh, and they came to be known as the desert uh, Abbas and Amas, mothers and fathers, and uh, they sought God there. They prayed, and over time, folks would come to them in search of direction, in search of, of wisdom, uh, they would share things with them and, and, and receive insights. Over time, little desert communities began to form uh, that, that would eventually become monasteries, uh, right? But I love, there's a story from one of the early desert fathers, Abba Poemen, which means shepherd. Uh, but um, here's a story. Someone comes to Abba Poemen and asks, why should I not be free to do without manifesting my thoughts to all the older men? Right? Why do I have to tell the old people what is going on inside of me? And the old man replied, The enemy rejoices over nothing so much as over those who do not manifest their thoughts. Yeah. The enemy loves it whenever people keep everything to themselves. The enemy rejoices over nothing so much as someone who does not say a word. That's why you're not free to not share with another person. 
right? This is a commitment they had as they went out into the desert. We're going to do this together. Uh, we're we're going to share what's going on inside of ourselves. And so those desert communities eventually became uh, monasteries. Well, what we know as today where there would be an abbot or an abbess who served as the sort of spiritual director to the monks or the nuns of that abbey. And then as faith spread to other parts of the world, this practice took root uh, in, in Celtic Christianity, uh, where the term anamkara, which means soul friend, became a, a vital part of faith. Uh, uh, anamkara, soul friend, the Celtic saint Brigid of Kildare once reflected this. She said, go forth and eat nothing until you get a soul friend. For anyone without a soul friend is like a body without a head. It's like a water, it's like the water of a polluted lake, neither good for drinking nor washing. That is the person without a soul friend, without an anamkara. You gotta get someone who you share with, who walks with you. You need a soul friend. This, this emerged from those early desert uh, monastics. It, it came through the monasteries into Celtic Christianity. The practice came back to churches in the cities in the form of confession, where a priest would meet with people and, and may not just hear the sins confessed, but also offer back guidance and spiritual direction as they shared, right? It's not... It, it, it might be, but it, it might not only be, all right, you know, blessings, you're forgiven, go in peace, uh, but also, all right, what's going on as, as you encounter that sin, as you encounter that temptation? Where is God in the midst of this? Where is God leading you to and calling you to as you pursue a life of faith, right? There would be elements of spiritual direction to that confession tradition, in fact, it was in confession, meeting with the abbot of his monastery for spiritual direction, that Martin Luther first began to receive the seeds of what would ultimately become the Reformation. Uh, we know Martin Luther, but his spiritual director was Johann von Staupitz. And that may very well be the person who's responsible for the Reformation, as we know it. Because Martin Luther was, was, a, he was a monk, and he was very anxious. Uh, he was riddled with all of the, the sin that he had and, and guilt-stricken about it. And so just day after day after day, he would go to Johann von Staubitz and just make a detailed list of everything he might have done wrong. And after a while, Johann von Staubitz said, there's, there's, there's something to grace that you need to grasp. And he began to give him direction. And he's the one who sent him off. You know what? You, need to, you should get out of this monastery. You need to go to school. Uh, you need to become a, a preacher. Uh, because it's there that, that Martin Luther would end up learning and, and discovering the, the stuff of everyday life. Um, and, and ultimately, it's there that, that he would uh, encounter the texts in, in Romans and so on that, that would lead him to what came to be known as the Reformation, right? Um, that all began with spiritual direction. Pretty amazing. About the same time as Luther uh, was someone else named Ignatius of Loyola. 
Um, this is about the 15th, 16th century. Uh, and, and he created a guide for spiritual directors and people who longed to, to grow spiritually that came to be known as the spiritual exercises. Uh, you can go find this and read it to this day. Uh, it is kind of confusing to just get up and read it, though, because it's actually it's written as an instruction guide for spiritual directors who are leading people through these spiritual exercises. Um, they, they are a series of meditations that take place over about a month or so uh, that, that just walk through the the life of Jesus. You know, you spend one week reflecting on your own sin and confessing. You spend one week reflecting on Jesus' birth and ministry. You spend another week reflecting on the path to the cross and the crucifixion, and then another week rejoicing in the glory of resurrection, right? It's this series of guided reflections, uh, the spiritual exercises. But at the very beginning of his spiritual exercises, he gives these instructions. Uh, and this, this may um, be very timely for us at the beginning of, of a, a big conference like Harbor. He writes, as it is the soul that's being exercised in these spiritual exercises, making a retreat, we must seek from our spiritual guide, our spiritual director, only what is necessary to enable it to act with uprightness and certainty. We must not expect from him many words, or long explanations, nor to hear long sermons or interesting lectures. It's not the quantity of food, but a healthy digestion which nourishes the body. So it's not the great amount of knowledge communicated, but the manner in which the heart receives it that nourishes, that satisfies the needs of the soul and this is great. Moreover, he writes, experience proves that the heart will receive with delight and with greater real profit what it discovers for itself. Either by its own reflection or by the light shed upon it by divine grace. Than what is presented to its intelligence by lengthy discourses. We've got a lot to learn from Ignatius right? What we need is not more information and more knowledge. Um, and the rest of this week is surely going to be great. But what we need is depth. What we need is not more content. What we need is connection with one another and with the God who is at work in our midst. And so no matter how much information or interesting lectures we can drink up uh, like the fire hose of this week. What we really need is to pause and come back to that question. What is God doing in the midst of all of this? That's the stuff of spiritual direction. Moving on and picking back up the history, moving on into the 20th century, um, you have a number of shifts that begin occurring, right? Um, culturally, uh, there's a much more kind of democratic mindset, uh, you know, e equality uh, between people, less of a hierarchy of the, you know, abbot, abbess, um, so on and so forth. Uh, and, and at the same time, in the 20th century, you have this um, movement of psychology and counseling and, and stuff like that. That infuses itself into the church through things like pastoral counseling, uh, 
that, that sort of thing. But, but alongside it, there persists this ancient practice of spiritual direction. Um, churches, you know, also, I mean, I'm sure many of us have experienced this, um, kind of follow the cultural trends of, all right, you know, the, the industrial revolution happens, the, the sort of corporate business mindset happens, so our churches end up becoming kind of in, in the image of those things, um, where the, the minister uh, often acts almost as CEO of an organization, where, you know, you're trying to mass produce Christians, converts, whatever it may be, and, and, and you, you miss those deeper moments. And so I think we would do well to return to the early roots of this thing called spiritual direction, right? Uh, for most of the history of spiritual direction, it's just been assumed that if, if you're leading in any way, you're meeting with a spiritual director. You have someone intentionally in your life saying, how are you? What's God up to? And bringing you back to that place. But we've, we've, we've lost that in many ways. Um, and so, uh, spiritual direction today uh, is not confined to abbeys. It's not confined to the confessional booth. Uh, it, it's something that over the last several decades has, has increasingly emerged as, a, as an opportunity for anyone um, to, to be able to either train formally as a spiritual director uh, and, and, and then learn how to sit with someone else and, and offer that. Uh, it's something that uh, is available to people generally. It's something that's available for ministers, for church leaders. Uh, and it's a wonderful gift with a long heritage. Now, this is where it comes from. And so the, the last question that I sort of have um, to, to share a little bit about is this question of, okay, so who is it for? Who is spiritual direction for? I've already said a little bit about this. Um, and the, I mean, these answers, well, it's for anyone, right? It's for anyone who wants to grow in God. It's for anyone who wants to encounter God more, especially in the everyday. Someone who wants to become more aware of and responsive to the activity of God in their everyday life. It's for anyone, but I find that it is especially helpful for people uh, in, in leadership of the church in some form of spiritual leadership. And I think it's also especially helpful for people who are on the edges of church. I think those are two people. So people right at the center uh, and people off on the edges. I think those are the people who are perhaps best served by spiritual direction. Uh, and so I'll, I'll, I'll just say a little bit about each of those. Um, you know, ministry leaders, historically, it's always been expected that if you're in any kind of spiritual leadership, then you're also meeting with a spiritual director. Uh, Eugene Peterson, again, uh, mentions there's a, an old saying that a doctor who has himself for a doctor has a fool for a doctor. That's right. Uh, we need someone else to take care of us. And so if, if we are... If we are responsible for caring for others, we absolutely need to be cared for as well. If we're responsible for guiding others, we absolutely need someone to be guiding us as well. And so those who are in some form of ministry leadership, 
uh, would be well served with spiritual direction. I think it was last year in the online harbor thing that they kind of put together. I don't know if any of you watched that online. Um, that uh, Todd Bolsinger was sharing about leadership. And one of the things he said was ethically, if you're a leader and you don't have some kind of a supervisor or mentor or spiritual director or coach or something, uh, you're, you're kind of crossing an ethical boundary. Uh, you ethically, to, to ethically lead well, you need that kind of oversight. You need that kind of thing. No one's beyond it. No one is beyond it. Um, but spiritual direction in particular, I think, is, is a really helpful thing um, for, for those in ministry because it comes back to that core question, what's God up to in the midst? Uh, I have been seeing a spiritual director for about five years or so, um, and it has been the greatest gift. Um, it, it's sort of, it's, it's a monthly moment. I meet once a month with my spiritual director, and it's just an opportunity to sit down and go, man, what has happened this month? And then what is God doing in the midst of it? And there are all kinds of times that, that I come away. I mean, I, it's not like we're talking about all these amazing, incredible, wild things. It's, it's like, well, you know, here are the plans that I did. Here's, what I, here's how I've been feeling about it. But I always come away refreshed and more deeply aware that, oh, God is up to something. There is something that God's going on. It's, it's, it's almost always encouraging to be able to have that focused, intentional moment to be with someone who's just there to listen and just gently prompt me back to that center of, so where's God in all of that? Um, the a practice that Ignatius established that my spiritual director often um, does is, is um, this practice, some of you may be familiar with examine, right? This, this way of, of towards often at the end of the day, looking back over the day and, and reflecting on, on these two things. Where did I experience consolation and where did I experience desolation? Another way of putting that is when did I feel near to God in this day? And at what points did I feel far from God? during this day. And, and my spiritual director will ask me questions about that over the past month. Over this past month, where, what are moments where you felt the nearness of God? What are moments where you didn't? And just being able to speak some of those things gives me so much more clarity. Again, um, barring from Eugene Peterson, he, he wrote about how he was vaguely familiar that there were birds everywhere. Um, but it wasn't until he started bird watching and he learned the name of the kinds of birds that he started seeing what birds were everywhere. He said, what goes unnamed often goes unnoticed. Spiritual direction is a place where we can name the things of the soul. We can name the things that are going on within us. And by naming them, we notice them and we become increasingly aware. It's a great gift for people in, in, in ministry uh, to be able to have a space like that uh, where you're not in charge of anything uh, and you can come back to that center where you're not just a CEO running something, but you're a person before God. 
I think it also serves people on the edges of church. Uh, there are quite a few people. There's an um, online community that I've gotten to connect with of people who have, have, have left their churches precisely because there have been various kinds of abuse, various kinds of, of, of ways that they got burnt out, uh, that they did not feel like it was safe for them anymore. And they desperately long for Jesus. They desperately long for God. They have not left the faith. They just can't practice their faith in church. And there's, there's one person who I've been able to meet with um, in spiritual direction who has had a similar kind of experience. Um, we've been meeting for a, l- a little over a year now. Um, and and it's, it's just been amazing getting to walk with this person and say, hey, I, I know that you have not ever been outside of a church before. But in this season of life, that's not a space that they feel, feel safe, that they feel able to participate. But to be able to walk with them and say, hey, God is still doing stuff in your life. Even if, if the church is not with you, God is. Um, and and I, I was able to reflect with this person recently about how being in a place like spiritual direction has, has helped them hold on to and go deeper in their faith than they ever had been before. And so I think it's a really great gift, particularly for those right at the center of church and those that are out on the edges. Another way that I like to describe spiritual direction is that it is a place for spiritual support beyond church. It's not apart from church. It's not, um, you know, in place of church, it's just beyond church. Ministers need spiritual support beyond church. Uh, I, I, I cannot get the kind of spiritual support I need whenever I'm in charge of stuff, <laughs> right? Uh, I need a place beyond church to reflect and on and on. And then there are folks who church is not the best place for them to engage their faith in this season. They need a place beyond church. Spiritual direction is a great space for that, sort of a a lifeline in the midst of faith crisis uh, to be able to hang on uh, and and move beyond that, persist. So what is spiritual direction? Where did it come from? Who is it for? These are a few things that we've explored. Um, I'd like to pause and open it up to other kinds of questions. Um, what, what's stirring in you? What questions do you have? Uh, I'd love to just have some conversation here for the, this last part. Yeah. Uh, you talk about training, and I know there are a lot of people that, lack of a better term, professional certificate that they're giving. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're describing sounds very simple. What is involved in that, in a training time, mm-hmm. if it sounds so simple? Yeah. Okay. It is so simple, right? Um, and yet, none of us are very good at listening, right? Um, uh, there's, there, there's a lot of, of really great books recently. There's one that recently came out. It's not a Christian book, but it's called You're Not Listening. It's written by a journalist, and it's about the, the cultural crisis that we have of, of we're unable to listen to one another. Um, that's a lot of what the training is, is it's just learning how to listen well. Um, and so, I mean, usually the training programs that are out there, and there are many of them, uh, are very simple. 
uh, and it just involves, you know, there some some helpful books and material and things, uh, some possible, you know, themes and things you can identify. But really, it's mostly training to just listen uh, and and ask very simple questions. Something that I think is really unique about spiritual direction compared to a lot of other kinds of one-on-one -on -one things that we do, either in church or or beyond church. Uh, is, is that, so within church, spiritual direction is not teaching, right? A spiritual director doesn't sit down and say, here's your lesson for this month. Uh, it's not that. A uh, spiritual director says, what's stirring in you? And the floor is yours, right? And that's, that's the space that's open, and they listen. Um, uh, it's, it's not teaching. It's not, you know, we have um, mentoring is, is a very important and, and great kind of support, but it's not that. Um, you know, a mentor is often trying to sort of impart their own skills or um, wisdom or something to another person, and spiritual direction is not that. You're, you're really listening. I love coming back to Ignatius. He said, experience proves that the heart will receive with delight and with greater real profit what it discovers for itself, either by its own reflections or the light shed upon it by divine grace. So... A spiritual director, the goal is really to listen someone into discovery. Uh, so that's that's a lot of what the, the kinds of um, training programs are. A couple other things that might be helpful to share is, um, you know, it's also, spiritual direction is not therapy. It's not counseling, right? Counseling is often, I mean, there's, there's a, a diagnostic book. There's a diagnostic manual. And when you're meeting with someone in counseling, you're diagnosing them. And there's a problem that you're trying to solve. Spiritual direction doesn't do that. Um, you might have some problems that get resolved because of spiritual direction. But if you bring a problem to a spiritual director, they're not going to say, all right, let's work through that. They're going to say, wow, that sounds challenging. So what's God doing in the midst of that? Right? right? No, no pursuit to resolve the problem. Just a pursuit to see where God is in the problem. Uh, someone recently told me uh, they've heard, you know, counselors are often trying to help lead people out of the cave, whereas spiritual directors try to lead them deeper into the cave because God might be in there somewhere. So that's way more than, than your question. I don't know if I kind of answered it, but the, the training programs that are out there are very simple, and there are many of them. The, uh, to say a little more about that, there's, there's no um, accrediting body out there of, you know, here's the, the, you know, things that you have to check off to be a spiritual direction training program. Uh, so it's, it is unregulated. And so that means, you know, when you're looking at training programs, if, if any of you do, or if you're interested in that, do so discerningly and just kind of see what, what, what are some of the themes and things that are here and does it feel like uh, true and rooted to, to faith in that way. Yeah. Other, other questions, yeah. As, you're, as you explain this, like if we take this back to our churches and our people, yeah. how would you explain this within the scope of disciple making? Like mm -hmm. as a piece mm -hmm. of it or running alongside of it? Or how would you? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, yeah, certainly it could be a piece of it. Um, uh, it's not by any means the totality of it. Because discipleship does involve some teaching, right. right? It does involve some content. Um, spiritual direction isn't that. One, one way that I like to think about it is spiritual direction is a particular kind of spiritual discipline. Um, we don't always do all of the spiritual disciplines, right? We're not always constantly 
uh, fasting and silence and solitude. And, I mean, you know, some of these kind of traditional disciplines. Um, but there are times whenever each of those can serve us. Uh, spiritual direction is one of those kinds of, of spiritual disciplines that can come alongside a life of faith to bring some more awareness uh, and, and responsiveness to the activity of God. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a component, but not the totality. And then how did you promote yourself in your congregation as a spiritual director? Yeah. Uh, is this something you announced? <laughs> right. Anyway. I, I don't really uh, promote myself that much uh, in, in, in my church or otherwise. Uh, the past few months, I did start um, sharing with people, uh, inviting them to if they wanted to have spiritual conversations. Uh, that's, that's one way that I, I kind of shared it with them. Uh, and, you know, just an opportunity to sit down and, and listen and reflect and, and know that together in this conversation, we're not just chatting, uh, but we're going to look for some deeper things. So that's one way that I've shared about it before. Um, there are a couple of people uh, that I've met with uh, within my church in a more formal spiritual direction way, uh, and, and some that I do so ongoing with. And it's really been, been very special. Uh, to do that. But, but more than anything, uh, in, in my own self, uh, I, I'm really, I, I've, I've done the spiritual direction training, uh, and I do meet with a few individuals in that formal spiritual direction sense, but, but a lot of what my desire was in, in this was to let the posture of spiritual direction infuse the ministry that I do. Um, and so, so that those little moments of, uh, of casual, of unplanned, spiritual direction can I, I can be ready for them and 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 paying attention for those moments uh, and it's been really helpful uh, to me coming coming into this season um, to 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 be able to come with that initial place of asking a question rather than giving an answer right that's one of the biggest things I've learned uh, how much pressure does that take off as a minister right Someone comes up with, you know, the latest headline or the latest thing, and well, what if I don't have to have it all figured out? Um, and, and what if I can just say, huh, what's, why, why is that um, so interesting to you? What, what are you seeing in the midst of all that? Right? That it immediately moves from we're talking about today's ideas to what is God doing in the midst of this, right? Why does that headline activate so much? Right? I mean, that's just an example, but, but it's really helped me learn a, a different way of being a minister, uh, which, which I think really is, is in hopefully getting to the heart of things uh, a little bit more. Uh, I saw some other yeah. hands, yeah. So Drew, I, our particular faith tradition, for better or for worse, does not have the kind of structure around it that you describe for leaders of mm. having somebody that, you know, like a lot of my friends that are in like Nazarene or other places, right. they've got a district super, right? You know, which you know is is good and built in has its own drawbacks, right? But so for us who are kind of a little more disorganized mm -hmm. in that way, like what are what are some suggestions that you would have for if somebody is seeking a spiritual director or somebody is kind of seeking mm -hmm. that that sort of leadership in their ministry context? Mm -hmm. um, where are some places that you would look? I'm really glad that you asked. <laughs> I actually brought 
um, a handout that I'm going to pass out that has a number of, yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I've put together a little handout uh, with a number of resources. One thing that I will say is, I mean, spiritual direction is, is like I said, it's something that many of you have already heard of. It's, it's, it's out there. Um, but there are many places in which it's, it's not a particularly Christian thing. Um, you know, it's not rooted in the, the, the activity of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? It's not rooted in becoming more Christ-like. It's just something else. Uh, and so there, there are some really good places there where you can find Christian spiritual directors, people who are committed to the activity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the world around us. And so I've put together a few of those. Um, there is within um, our tradition, or at least emerging from our tradition, I don't know if any of you have heard of an organization called 1128, um, but um, they have many roots within Churches of Christ and have been doing a lot of this soul care kind of work. I think they're based maybe in the Dallas area. Um, but, and and um, I saw that they were going to have a session here, but I think it might have been one of the ones that was canceled. So, um, bummer. But, um, but yeah, they're one that has a number of, or of spiritual directors available, um, but there's a number of other great organizations. Uh, another one that I, I can mention here, but I'll, I'll let you guys take these, is um, a place called ESDA, Christ-Centered Spiritual Directors. Uh, it is probably the largest network of Christian spiritual directors um, that, that exist. It's international, uh, there's a directory online, so you can find someone possibly in your area uh, that, that you could meet with for spiritual direction or given today. You can often do it over Zoom or something like that. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of great options and I'm happy for you guys to, to grab some of these on the way out. Um, well, thank you guys again for, for being here. Thank you.